Now, we started with the judgment seat of Christ. We didn't develop that very much yesterday. Let's do that today. I want to look at the promise of the judgment seat of Christ. Hi, everybody. This is Jimmy DeYoung. Thank you for taking a few moments to take a look at the book as we come together to study about the judgment seat of Christ. I have in my hand right now a five-hour audio series on CD entitled The Judgment Seat of Christ. It's a must-study because the judgment seat of Christ will take place immediately after the rapture of the church happens. As we leave this earth, we will go into the presence of Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible talks about the judgment seat of Christ. There are two promises, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, and Romans chapter 14, verse 10. In fact, that's what we're going to talk about today, the promise of the judgment seat of Christ. The procedure of the judgment seat, the prize at the judgment seat, will be future studies. But right now, let's get into the book, the Word of God, and study about the promise of the judgment seat of Christ. If you've got 2 Corinthians chapter 5, notice with me what it says here in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10. Here's an absolute promise. Remember, Paul is teaching through his letters, the carnal church at Corinth. This is the most carnal church that I know about in the time of the Apostle Paul and possibly even throughout all of history. Maybe there's some that could come up to its standard of carnality, but this was a very carnal church. Notice what he says to them, chapter 5 and verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. That's the King James word bad. I think worthless possibly would be a better translation of the term, whether good or worthless. Everything, listen to me, everything done in our body, we're going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ and have to face given accountability. Go to Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14 is another parallel passage, but the promise is contained within that passage. And these two books written close to the same time. Paul had gone into Corinth and he was able to uh, teach the people there. He established the church at Rome. Did you hear what I just said? The apostle Paul established the church at Rome, not because he went there to start a church. He was in Caesar's household, Philippians chapter 4. He led many of Caesar's household to Jesus Christ. And thus, that was the genesis of the church and those others that he had led to the Lord someplace else. They went to live in Rome. Peter was never in Rome. You can't show me any place in the scriptures where Peter was ever in Rome. He's not buried in the Vatican. He's buried in Jerusalem. We've got archaeological evidence to that. So be careful. Don't follow tradition. Follow what the Word of God says. So Paul starts this, by the way, let me just give you a little uh, plug for our Day of Discovery, our television program. Mark Dehan and I have just finished six programs on teaching the book of Romans. And I'm telling you, you're going to enjoy the programs, not because I'm a teacher on it, but because we went to Jeresh in northern Jordan. 
Northern Jordan, Jeresh, is one of those Decapolis cities, a Roman city at the time of Christ, and it's the most well-preserved Roman city in the world today. They have restructured the Hippodrome. You know what the Hippodrome was? That's where they had the gladiators fight. That's where they had the chariot races. And they have done something similar to what they do over in Williamsburg, Virginia. They have replicated the Roman period there. They have the gladiators fight. And man, those guys are big hunking dudes. And they have the chariot races. And they have the soldiers. And the soldiers are to absolute detail as they were in the Roman period. Their weapons, their shields, their clothing, everything. It's unbelievable. Well, we came along and they allowed us to go in among them. So when you see the broadcast, you'll see these Roman soldiers coming at me and Mark. We're standing right in the middle. You know, Mark, he is Mr. Layback of the world. He's got the gift of mercy. And you know me, I got the gift of prophecy and I'm in your face, baby. And so I'm pulling Mart along. Let's get it. He said, no, we can't interrupt. Come on, Mart. And we walk right in the middle of them and there's swords that come. It's, it's going to be good. But anyway, we were talking about the Roman Empire. And we came to chapter 14. Chapters 14 and 15 focus on the second coming. And here it is. He tells these people, here's the test. They're having a big argument. What should we do? I think I'll do what I want to do. And Paul says, here's the test. All of us are going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. You're not an entity unto yourself. I'll get back to that in just a moment. Go to 1 Corinthians 4 as we continue to think about the promise of the judgment seat of Christ. The promise of of the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, Paul first focuses on the judgment seat by focusing it on himself. Tomorrow we'll study the procedure of the judgment seat of Christ. That's chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians. Chapter 4, notice what he says. Let no man, excuse me, let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and the stewards of the uh, mysteries of God. You notice how Paul reveals himself? A steward and a minister. You do a word study on these two words. You know what a steward is? A steward has nothing, no possessions. He is the administrator, the manager of his master's Wealth. Did you hear that? We're to be good stewards. The administers, the managers of our master's wealth. The word minister, he says here. If you do a study in the Greek on that, you know what it comes down to? A slave who rode the boat at the lowest level of the boat. We've got a bunch of prima donnas who stand behind the sacred desk having no time for us congregants. That's not what Paul was. I'm a servant to administer my master's wealth. I'm at the lowest level in the boat. Rowing it as a slave. 
That's who I am. Notice what he says in the second verse. Moreover, it is required of stewards that a man be found faithful. He's going to be talking about standing the judgment seat of Christ. He's exhorting us. Here we are at this level. We better be found faithful. Verse 3. Boy, it reveals what's going on in Christendom today. Verse 3. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. You know what the number one hobby in Christianity is today? Comparing speakers. You know what really irritates me? I'll have preached my heart out. I'm standing at the back door shaking hands, and out walks some lady who said, You know who I heard the other day who was really good? I want to look at her and say, What am I, chopped meat lady? Paul says, I'm not judged a man, and we got to quit doing that. We praise God for men he has gifted and given us that which we can teach. Don't come up and tell me how you think I'm good or bad. I'm not judged of you. I got to be a steward found faithful. We got to quit comparing. Paul said, I'm not judged by man. Look what he says here in verse 4. For I know nothing by myself, yet am I hereby justified, but he that judges me is the Lord himself. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring the light, the hidden things of darkness, and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts, and them shall. Every man know and have praise of God. Verse 6 talks about, hey, who are we to be puffed up? If I can communicate it all, you know why? Not because of my study. Not because of my capability to communicate as a broadcaster. It's because he gifted me. And who am I? If Jesus dispatches the gifts, who am I to take any credit for? And who are you to judge any man on what Jesus has done for him? Because we're going to stand at the judgment seat. Look over there. By the way, not just stand. Go to chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians again. Look at that just a moment. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Notice what it says. For we must all up. Here before the judgment seat of Christ. Honey, that word does not mean we walk up and stand like I've been saying. It doesn't mean after the rapture we just show up for the judgment seat of Christ. You know what it means? As we show up and stand there, everything is revealed. From the day, from the day I trusted Christ. Until that awesome moment, all of my character, all of my works, judging your works, whether they are good or worthless, you don't just stand there. It's all revealed. And I want to tell you something. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17 
says that my responsibility as a teacher of the Word of God is ten times more intense than yours. I want to tell you something, honey. I am scared to death. I'm, not a, I'm anxious for the rapture. I'm anxious about what's going to happen afterwards. Eager for the rapture. Want it to happen. Stand in awe of what will take place next. Thank you for taking a few moments to study with me this very important issue. The judgment seat of Christ. It's going to be an awesome time. I am concerned for myself about that time because, indeed, I want to be honored by the Lord Jesus Christ for those things that I've done in his power and for his glory. Well, this is a study that you need to have the entire study of. I want you to get your copy. The Judgment Seat of Christ is the title of this five-hour audio series. It's a must-study. Go to our website, prophecytoday.com, and then you go over to the mall. You can order your copy of this series, or you can call our toll-free number. Our people here at Prophecy Today will be happy to take your order. The phone number is a toll-free number, 877-674-3298. Now, that's toll-free from across America. Again, that number, 877-674-3298. Call today and make your order of this five-hour audio series on CD entitled The Judgment Seat of Christ, or go to our website, prophecytoday.com. Indeed, as we study this issue, the judgment seat of Christ, it will help us prepare ourselves for this awesome time to take place right after the rapture of the church. And by the way, the rapture of the church can take place at any moment. In fact, before I even finish this sentence. And having said that, then there's nothing left for me to say except let's keep looking up until...